I guess things happen unbeknownst to me anymore. The other day, I rose at my normal time of 5.12 a.m. Don't ask me why it's 5.12, but it's been that way for years. And as I placed my feet on the floor, I could detect that some gremlin came calling in the middle of the night as my back felt like it had completely disconnected from my pelvis. Not sure how one can go to bed feeling great and then arise feeling like I just did a fireman's carry with a 1968 Chevy Vega over my shoulder. We'll explore this issue of wondering why my back hurts on today's edition of the QMC EMS Borden Caller. We're glad you're here. Welcome to the QMC Board and Collar, news and thought-provoking discussions for today's emergency medical service provider. The Board and Collar podcast series is brought to you by QuickMed Claims, a national leader in emergency medical transportation revenue cycle management and reimbursement consulting. Now, your host for today's podcast, QMC's Director of Client Services, Gary Harvat. So, as my luck would have it, my wife spied me as I ambulated ever so slowly toward the shower and asked, what in the world is wrong with you? I thought for a moment and the only response I could muster up at this ungodly hour was simply, life pack four. Now, my wife, God bless her, has no deep understanding of where I came from, professionally speaking. She doesn't know a life pack four from a tire iron and to be honest, for this, I'm very thankful. However, she pressed me a bit more and inquired as to what this pack thing was I was referring. I told her I would communicate better post-shower and kept hobbling forward. Several minutes later, I emerged and there she was, waiting for an explanation as to what had happened and furthermore, what was I mumbling about with this life pack comment? Well, time to explain this one, folks. I sat on the corner of the bed and explained that during my EMS career in the 1970s, The Life Pack 4 was the go-to cardiac monitor defibrillator. I explained I had carted this darn thing up flights of steps hundreds of times and given its weight of about 40 or 50 pounds, it was probably a contributory factor to my now current back problems. She understood a bit better, but looked at me in the same way as our Boston Terrier does when I have a conversation with her. You know, that cocked head tilt that dogs give you when you're just confusing the living daylights out of them? So this got me to thinking about the industry that I love and value so much, but also the toll it has taken on my physical self. I thought about all the things we used to lug around and how the EMS world has changed in so many ways. Ways for the better, I might add. As much as EMS is still the quote-unquote new guy in the public safety world, many advances have been made to better assist those dedicated EMS professionals. These advances have not only improved patient care, but also increased EMS provider longevity. For instance, today we have great stretchers that not only load themselves into the patient compartment, but also minimize back injuries of the provider while doing so. I remember those Ferno Model 30 stretchers. Remember those? These devices served us well with adjustable height levels, along with the ability to raise the torso at different angles. They were great. However, they were still stretchers that were heavy and wonky, but also became harder to operate when a patient was placed on that foam mattress with a dark red vinyl cover. I recall a move that involved carrying a 250-plus pound steel worker from his three-bedroom Cape Cod down the cement steps to the inclined driveway. This award-winning act of strength was all followed by the coup de grace, the killer lift-on-three lumbar jerk 
into the back of the ambulance. And yes, folks, I did my best to lift with my legs. It was no fun and my back ached, but I loved the work and was ready for the next call, even though my lumbar felt completely disassociated from the rest of my spine. Next, I thought about the advances in medication administration. I must relate, I thought I was hot stuff with a drug box full of 50 mLs of sodium bicarb, six 100 milligrams injectables of lidocaine, and four ready jets of one milligram atropine. Now, as I peer at the medication arsenal today, I see meds for multiple types of emergencies. To some degree, it's a small CVS pharmacy that the medics of today must be well-versed in the administration, contraindications, dosages, and side effects of each. Too much for me to now comprehend, but great for the teams in the field to help stabilize and save patients from an untimely demise. While endotracheal intubation has long provided a sound route for definitive airway control, one cannot forget its street predecessor, the infamous esophageal obturator airway, the EOA. I recall using this device for the first time. I was so proud of myself when I effectively placed this long tubular quote unquote cork down a patient's esophagus. Even more amazing was that I was able to ventilate the patient through the tiny holes that would hopefully oxygenate the lungs without having a molecule of air head down that nasty path to the stomach. And how about those six foot wooden long boards with all the straps flapping? These straps made the board a substantive trip hazard as one dragged it out from under the bench seat to the patient in the middle of the busy roadway. Using these boards proved quite helpful most of the time. However, moving a patient with your fingers locked between the openings on the wooden board usually led to an exercise in splinter removal post-call. They look very functional, but some of the worst splinters in my life came from those boards. Splinters were one thing, but then you took the board, the patient, and the Model 30, and it led to more weight and more lumbar jerks into the patient compartment. Ouch. As we close, let me pay homage to the medical anti-shock trousers, the mass trousers. Aren't we really stating trousers twice here, folks? These things were marketed akin to the second coming of Jesus, and we're going to save just about anyone who showed up with any malady short of an impaled object jutting out of their abdominal cavity. They were world-renowned for squeezing blood up to the patient's core. When properly utilized, mass was promoted as a tremendous life-saving tool. That is, until the ED nurse or surgical resident took their cut-a-penny-in-half shears right to them at the patient's bedside. While I am certainly a bit envious of the tools today's EMS teams have at their disposal, I am also a bit thankful that I was able to use resources that were not always great in number or style to save a life. While I continue to mumble life pack four when my back hurts, I quietly appreciate the times I had lugging that thing around. And to be honest folks, even with the great devices and advancements in pre-hospital medicine today, I would not change a thing. Limited resources taught me how to think outside the box and caring for a patient. And as much as I am no longer functioning in the field, I do miss the times I had there in the 1970s and 80s. For those of you that have auto load stretchers and the cardiac monitors half the size of a shoebox, good for you. Go forth and serve our industry well. While my back pains me, it also reminds me of a time in my life that I would never change for love or money. Thanks for spending time with us today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. 
I encourage you to download and take in many of our other episodes that we have on the QMC EMS Board and Caller. For now, thank you, and hey, be safe out there.